0: Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast for independent creators. I'm Susan Bond, your host. Today I have Kinsey, t- Kinsey and Durham on the podcast. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so excited to have you. We met originally, I think it was about five years ago, right? At Rails Bridge.
1: Yes. A, a long time ago, it feels like now. <laughs> I know.
0: I think it was almost five years ago we met at a Rails Bridge and uh, I continued just fiddling around with code and you actually went on to be a developer um, and you now work at GhostBudCheck.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: It's so fun. What do you work on at, at Go Spot Check?
1: Um, Right now I'm kind of on an R&D team where we are doing a bunch of fun stuff with image recognition and you know machine learning and computer vision so it's super exciting and a super fun. Team to be on at Go spot check.
0: Oh, very cool. That's great. And today we don't, we're not going to talk about. Well, we're going to probably talk a little bit about programming, but we're not going to talk about your job today. Today I want to talk to Kinsey Ann. I brought her on because she has the most amazing Instagram feed. <laughs> I cannot like. These enough. She must think I'm a stalker. <laughs> As you know, I, I love your feed, uh, Kinsey, Ann posts primarily, although not exclusively, but primarily about fly fishing on her Instagram feed.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my gosh, those fish are amazing. So let's start at the beginning. Like, how did you get into fly fishing, and uh, or did you start with another, you know, variety of fishing? If that's the right word. Yeah, no. I don't know what the Yes, yeah,
1: you know, there are different types of fishing, you know, like spin fishing is kind of what people typically think of when um, I say I'm going fishing, you know, fly fishing. Yeah, what's spin
0: fishing?
1: Uh, It's where you have a spin rod and Ah. bait or something like that and, uh, yep, kind of throw it in there and reel and hope that something... Yeah that's, after. The, yeah,
0: that's the kind of, that I, I first got obsessed with fishing when I was five and I went out with my dad and my two older brothers and I brought home the biggest fish. I mean, you know, that's, I that's brought awesome. home the biggest fish. I'm using air quotes, but that was the beginning of my obsession with fishing. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. So that's, yeah, spin, you call it spin fishing?
1: Yeah, spin fishing. Yeah, because you're using a spin rod rather than a fly rod. So the rods are different, um, kind of yeah. depending on what type of fishing you're doing.
0: Okay, so back to how you got started in whatever method of fishing.
1: Was was fly fishing the one you got started? Um, in or no. So I had done spin fishing. Uh, my mom is from Montana, and so my mom's side of the family uh, still lives in Montana, and we would go for the summers. And I, you know, I did a little bit of spin fishing. I was actually in a competition when I was I can't even remember how old I was, like seven or eight, and I actually won so i had caught the biggest fish and i won a spin rod which was cool i didn't really use it after that um and you know did not do any sort of fishing outside of that just like maybe once or twice and then last year i i was actually in montana my you know and usually growing up my dad and you know my uncle like all the boys would go out and go fishing and go floating on the river, you know, and all the women always stayed behind. So unfortunately I never got to do that. And then last summer I was in Montana with my mom and I was just like, Oh, you know, I really want to start doing more things outside. And I was in the Kalispell airport and I started Googling, uh, fly fishing lessons and fly fishing shops in Denver. Um, and I came back to Denver and I took a class a 101 class so it included like how to tie your flies on and like learning about bugs and i was just so overwhelmed i had no idea how hard and how much different uh fly fishing was so i was really intrigued learning to you know read the water learning about all the bugs and um how to tie these knots and leader and tippet, and all these things it was you know really overwhelming oh, I kind I of <laughs> Yeah.
0: Like a whole immersion into a whole new thing.
1: Yeah. And kind of like how I felt when I was first uh, learning code, you know, there's oh so much gosh. information and so many things being thrown at you. Um, so I hadn't felt that like that in a while, you know, honestly, since I had been learning code. I just didn't realize how much went into it and how much skill it truly requires.
0: Yeah, I, I well, I bet. And, Especially so the differences between spin and fly fishing, from my understanding, I've done a tiny bit of fly fishing, I mean a very tiny bit, and it's quite different, quite different than, than spin fishing is my impression.
1: Yes, very different. So, <laughs> yeah, and then I did another a casting class, and then I actually did a river tactics class where we actually went out and tried fishing, so that was great, and... After that, I was hooked, uh, you know, I have gone pretty much every weekend, every free moment that I, you know, have had since. And I've got already gotten to go to really cool places and fly fish, you know, in New Zealand and the Cayman Islands and Mexico. And so it's both saltwater and freshwater fly fishing. So it's been quite the wild ride. And I'm really lucky because I have companies that um, sponsor me now that I'm ambassador for and, Have really just kind of jumped in full speed and just love everything about it, everything about going out and being in the most beautiful places and being with awesome people and, you know, getting to connect and catch these beautiful fish. And, um, you know, I do all catch and release. So a lot of people are like, oh, you must have a lot of trout in your freezer. And I'm like, no, I never have. I've never kept one, yeah, um, you I release can them. Can you talk
0: about that? Because I was doing some research last night and <clears throat> I was, re- you know, reading about, so like you, you always catch and release. You never, you never keep them and eat them, correct?
1: Correct. Most places where I'm fishing here in Colorado, you know, it's blue metal water. It's, they're very notorious and famous rivers for fly fishing and a lot of, you can't keep fish. Um, most of the times you can't, I mean, you can if you're fishing a lake or something like that, but. Yeah, there are a lot of restrictions just because it is such a big um, sport out here, and they want to make sure that the fish are being taken care of and they're not being um, harmed in any way. So, that sort of thing.
0: Well, yeah, I even was climbing down into the interwebs about this, about the whole catch and release, and even found an article about the way to take a
1: picture with your fish so that you don't harm it. Yep. There are a lot of things there. So, you don't want to keep the fish out of the water for very long. You, re- you want to make sure your hands are wet, and you really just want to pick it up, take a picture, you know, put it back in the water and let them go. So, that's definitely a good practice for sure.
0: Yeah, there's so many things. So, I want to ask, I want to start with a couple things. So, go or go back to a couple things you mentioned. So, you mentioned that you, you took a class. After that first class, were you clear that you wanted this was what you wanted to become your next, you know, sort of? a hobby way
1: to get outside or was there ever a moment you
0: thought, you know, I'm not sure this
1: might be too much to learn? No, um, I was so hooked and addicted and so excited about it. Um, I was just, yeah, full speed ahead. Um, I had tried other outdoors things, you know, like even snowboarding, um, I have done for a while. I just don't love it the same way that I love fly fishing and, you know, hiking is fun, but I get kind of bored with that. Um, And yeah, different, you know, biking, different activities outside. Um, I tried archery and, you know, I wanted to find something and it it was very clear kind of since the first time I've done it that fly fishing was going to be my thing.
0: (laughs) Well, it's pretty obvious to me when I look at your feed. I mean, it really is one of the feeds I look forward to every single day. I mean, not that you post every day, but I'm like, is there another fish on there? Um, You know, so it's pretty obvious that you love it what was the, what do you think was the hardest thing that you've had to learn about fly fishing?
1: The hardest thing, um, would probably have to be the different, like, types of bugs. Like, there are so many, you know, I net, never thought that I would be into bugs, and, um, because I'm definitely more of a girly girl, or, yeah, I don't know if that's a politically correct term, but, um, yeah, I, you know, and bugs have always, like, not been my favorite thing, and now I'm, you know, looking under rocks and looking at bugs and getting excited about bugs that I see on the river and learning them and just, there's so many different types of flies and there's not only different types of flies, but like different categories. So like nymphs or emergers or dry yeah, flies. Can we go, with, yeah,
0: can we go more detail into this? Because when you're saying bugs, you mean, are you do you mean real
1: live bugs? But Yeah, so real live bugs because you know, the flies that you tie or that you buy in a fly shop Really mimic um, real life bugs, so the more you can pay attention on the water of like what t- and what types of bugs are around, um, the better you're going to be at catching fish. So yeah, fish don't eat anything; they're picky about what they eat. And not only do you have to have the perfect drift and the right drift and the right depth and the right weight, um, you also have to make sure that you have the right flies.
0: So, and the fly that you're using is not a real bug; it's it looks like. The bug, right? Correct? It's an
1: mm-hmm, yes. I, it's an invitation. This is like a
0: one question. I, I, you know, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have not done enough fly fishing, obviously. So when you're looking at the 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 real bugs, you're looking at them to see what's sort of in the area, what that what might be common, and, and those fish might be used to.
1: Yes, exactly. That. Or it, you know that they're eating, and you know you can go to your local fly shop and be like, hey, that you know that's something I always do. Like what. What bug should I get? What's hot right now? And, you know, it can change a lot and also definitely changes based on the season. Um, you know, you can only dry fly certain times of the year on certain rivers and- And
0: what's dry flying?
1: So dry flying is where you land the bug on top of the river. So it's supposed to mimic mm. a bug that's on top of, you know, on top of the water versus a bug that's um, underneath the surface and in the water.
0: Mm. Got it, okay.
1: Yeah, which is called nymphing. So, you know, I do both. I was in Montana recently, and it was super fun because we, you know, got to do all dry flies and mostly dry flies, Um, whereas in the winter and a lot of times here in Colorado, I, you know, I nymph or do something like that.
0: Oh, interesting. So you think that the bugs were the hardest, one of the hardest parts for you to learn?
1: Yeah, I'm still learning them. There's so many. They all have names and they're, you know, different types. And it's just so much to learn and so overwhelming. Um, so I think that's definitely been the hardest part for me and something that I'm still learning. And that's another thing that I really like about fly fishing it, that reminds me of programming is that with programming, I constantly feel like I'm learning. And also with fly fishing, I constantly feel like I'm learning.
0: Oh, I, I, I bet. And are the, so the, the bugs... Are they not only, so I heard you talk about the different geographically, you might use them depending on the river or the water source that you're in. Is it all also for different kinds of fish or no? Uh,
1: yes, so it depends on where you are. Um, but in Colorado, it's mostly like rainbow trout or brown trout or cutthroat trout. And then when I was in Montana, um, I guess it was the same same type of fish. Um, but yeah, going and doing saltwater, obviously in the Cayman Islands and Mexico it was you know tarpon and bonefish and permit so really depending on where you are um, is you know the types of fish that you'll be catching but here in the US it's mostly uh, trout
0: Mm, okay got it that makes sense the blog post I read was talking a lot about trout yeah, that, that 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 makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And I guess I should clarify like the Western US because, you know, you'll hear hear people talking about, like, you know, largemouth bass and that sort of thing or redfish. And that's a lot more like in the south um, mm. where you would be fly fishing for those types of fish. But yeah, <laughs> it varies.
0: Wow. Oh, that's so interesting that that bug, bugs were the hard part because I when I learned very briefly. Um, the you know, the, the technique of with the rod, I found that incredibly hard. I mean, I could do one very well, but I thought that would be a little bit harder to learn.
1: The casting?
0: The casting, that's what you
1: call it. Yeah, yeah, and um, I definitely, that's, that's very hard too, um, but I feel like once you kind of get it down or get the basics, it becomes a lot easier and recognizing when you have a good drift and making sure you're mending and mending correctly. And, um, also, you know, where to even put the flies. So, Hmm. yeah. How
0: many, are there, are there multiple different kinds of ways to cast?
1: Yes, of course. There's like spay casting and then the normal kind of back cast that you see with the loops. Um, and there's also roll casts. Um, I don't know if you've heard of like a flip cast, um, yeah, can you explain that quickly, like, the differences of, like, maybe the top ones of, like,
0: why you might use them or, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, there's also a bow and arrow cast, which is interesting. So, for example, you the bow and arrow cast, you literally, um, and I learned this in New Zealand from my guide, but it's literally like a bow and arrow, and you kind of let it go and slingshot it. Um, wow. And that's when you're in really tight trees and you can't really back cast because your fly will get stuck in the tree, right? So that's when you would use that. In Colorado, we do a lot of roll casting just because um, yeah, there's not a lot of space and it's not really necessary to um, full on cast. Uh, okay. But yeah, like out in the ocean, you obviously are going to be doing big casts. And then people use spay casting for different reasons and some people just like spay cast all the time so what is
0: spay cast
1: spay casting um is where it's a special rod too and then you have two hands on your rod instead of one Hmm. so i'm sure when you were learning to cast you had one hand um spay casting i mean there's a lot more to it i actually have never done it so i'm definitely no expert on it um it's it's just a
0: different it's two hands and it's got a different rod and it's okay got it Yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot to it i mean there is I've went out a few times, and I fell in love with it, but unfortunately, I was learning from a boyfriend who I did not fall in love with. Uh, I see. (laughs) So uh, that ended my fly fishing for the time being, but I'd love to get back to it at some point, you know. Uh, It was really interesting. I mean, when he was teaching me all of this stuff, I was surprised at how much technique there was to it.
1: Yes, so much technique, so many things to think about, and that's you know, what I really appreciate about it and why maybe it's so addicting and it's hard. Like there'll be days where you feel like you're doing everything perfect and, you know, you you don't catch anything. Um, and then you'll have days where you catch so many fish and you catch big fish. So it's just really fun and just really meditative. You're just, you know, out there and it's quiet and you just hear the river and it's amazing. Mm, and is so, <coughs> pardon me. When you go out there,
0: so I heard you say there are days where you don't catch at all. Yes. You don't catch any, yeah, so is that disappointing?
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely get frustrated because you're trying so hard, and yeah, but it's still, it almost like it is what fuels the addiction, right? Because every, you know, it keeps you coming back. back for more, right? You need some sort of redemption.
0: And how many hours might you be out there and not catch anything?
1: Oh, like. 12 maybe more
0: what yeah that's a lot of time
1: I know yeah so that's kind of part of the reason why you get so frustrated because you're putting in so much effort and you know but that's part of it and that's part of fishing and you know if you get super frustrated then it's probably not the best um, thing for you and that's very similar to you know programming as well you know if you get super frustrated it's probably not the best thing to be doing
0: well, it takes a lot of patience, yep. right? and there's a lot of uh, unknowns and th- maybe variables that might be out of your control. Like I'm mean, think about like in software, right? There's like if you're working with an existing code base, I mean, there can be a ton of unknowns and, you know, bugs in a totally different context, right? That can be very frustrating. So when you're out, but when you're out there, is 12 hours a typical amount of time when you're out there?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it depends. Like sometimes it's longer. Like I, I went and floated with some friends, um, on the Colorado on Sunday and, you know, I left my house at five in the morning and I didn't get back until like nine thirty. Wow. So, you know, um, I also had to drive, you know, a couple hours, but yeah, it's, it's an, definitely an all day thing or an all weekend thing or an all week thing, but you can also just go somewhere closer and just go for a couple hours at least here. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in Denver where there are a lot of great places really nearby that I can go.
0: So do you try to do that, or do you mostly
1: confine it to the weekends when you can go longer? Um, most, yeah, I Yeah, tep- I don't typically tend to go right after work or anything like that, I just don't have enough time. Um, I'm definitely more of a weekend warrior, um, but then any vacation I take usually has something to do with fly fishing.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. And how, uh, what's the, I don't know if this is cooth to ask you, wh- I want to ask you, what's the biggest fish you ever caught? Do you know how, you know?
1: Um, yes, the biggest fish I ever caught was, you know, 30 inches, which is pretty big, very big fat fish. I couldn't even, um, I couldn't even lift it up, you know, out of the water, but mm-hmm. I caught that on private water, um, not public water, so some people would consider that cheating, but I was still proud. I still had to, you know, do everything. And. Um,
0: right, get, but yeah. Except, why, why is wait? Hang on a minute. Why is catching
1: a fish like that on private water cheating? Um, just because, like, the fish is stocked; it's not naturally there. But there are, oh. they stock fish in public water too. So, right. um, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know. There's definitely kind of a stigma around that around doing uh, privately stocked. Right. Even though a lot of the public rivers, have, stock, they're, you know, they're stocked fish as well. So.
0: Oh, that's so interesting.
1: And what is, uh, what, what do you think is the most fish you've caught in one day? Oh, um, most fish. I don't know. I would say 12 or more, maybe 15. Wow. That's Which, a lot. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I know people who've caught like 40 fish in one day or something like that. Um, and it really depends on the places that you go hmm.
0: So, OK, so the, the thing I've noticed is sometimes you're fishing and I mean, there's like you look pretty bundled up and there's snow. Do you ever get cold? I mean, you must be wearing like waders in the
1: water, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely fish a lot this winter. Um, it gets really cold. But um, yeah, wearing waders, wearing boots, there's, you know, a whole other aspect of fly fishing, which is the gear. So, so you know, which you gets it's expensive.
0: How, you, yeah, tell me what you had to stock up on with
1: gear. So much stuff. So not only like the flies and leader and tippet and all your tools, like hemo's, um, nippers, and you know. What are
0: wait? What are hemo's and nippers?
1: So hemo's are kind. They kind of look like scissors or scissors. They're like hemostats. Mm. So it helps like getting flies out of um, hooks out of the fish. It helps. Um, I don't know. Like clamp down my weight that I add um, and then nippers are the things that I use to like clip my tippet as I'm tying on flies like cutting off tag ends or cutting off tippet from my mm. tippet reel kind of thing okay. Um. yeah so
0: and then what about like so and then there's like gear you wear right so you buy what do you what like uh, is it waiters the right thing like is it you know I see like you see with like I don't know people who you think when they fish they wear those big wader yeah, suspender things. What are they
1: called? Yep. Uh, th- yeah, they are called waiters, and then you have waiting boots. And they didn't used to make women's waiters, but finally, like Sims and Patagonia have women specific uh, waiters, which are so nice and they actually fit me, <laughs> and they're cute. Good. So yeah, yeah.
0: And I mean, are you getting cold? Like, do they have any kind of insulation? Are you getting cold when you're in? The
1: um. Well, you'll wear layers and jackets and um, you know that sort of thing, for sure. Um.
0: What about your feet? That's what I keep. I whenever I look at your pictures in the winter, I'm thinking, how are her feet? Are they cold?
1: Uh, yeah. You know, and I have to, I'll have to stand out of the water because um, if your feet get really cold, your feet go numb, and you're, you know, trying to wade on these slippery rocks a lot of times with snow or ice, and that's, you know, when you'll fall. So I try to stay on the banks more in the winter, and um, I'll wear like two pairs of wool socks like i actually have boots that are bigger for the winter so that i can wear um, multiple layers of wool socks and um that sort of thing
0: (laughs) wow and then rods do you have to buy different kind of rods too
1: um yeah so that's like a whole other thing like there's different weights of rods and different lengths so i have um it's a car rod a five weight rod a six weight rod um and then i'm you know i'm getting a four weight rod so it's just Kind of all across the board. Um, what are the
0: different weights for? Are they for different kind of fish or
1: Yeah, or so like bigger fish or certain mm. times so if I'm dry flying, which we talked about earlier, I would pr- use like a four weight, unless the fish were gonna be really big. Um and your five weight nine your five weight nine foot rod is kind of like your basic go to rod. And what I would suggest it's really versatile, you know, what I would suggest for beginners, um that's really versatile and can be used in many different situations. And then my six weight rod, I will use, you know, when I'm floating or when I know that I'm going to be catching bigger fish um, uh, or I have an opportunity to catch bigger fish, I guess.
0: Oh, interesting. Hmm. So you have like what three or four rods so far? Is what I'm. Yep,
1: I do, and you know I'm sure I'll collect more. And then I also have a a rod vault that goes on top of my car, which is like this—it's a silver thing that has like three tubes on it on top of my car, and that's what I put uh, my rods in to store them, so I don't constantly have to like break them down and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you must have like a big tackle box that you bring with you too for your flies.
1: Yeah, I have a bunch of fly boxes. So I don't have one big one. I kind of have a bunch of a bunch of small ones and I kind of classify like I have my dry flies in one, my streamers in one, my little nymphs and midges in one. And, um, you know, I kind of try to organize them as much as I can.
0: Wow, this is like a whole world that is so
1: fascinating to me. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it?
0: Well, I mean, because it's, I mean, it is similar to software in that there's like a whole world of tools and techniques and things that you have to, that you do in code too. So I think there's so many parallels there and the both worlds that equally fascinate me. So when you go, though, are you going alone, or are you often going with others?
1: Um, I have gone alone, but I'm often going with others. Um, I'll go, you know, really special trips from here when I get to go with my dad and my sister. Um, Hmm. The three of us are really close, so it's really fun for us to be able to do that with our dad.
0: And they both both like to fly fish.
1: Yeah, my dad, uh, he fly fished when he was my age. He was Hmm. living in Montana, Um, so he got to do a lot of fly fishing. And then my sister... Kind of got into it when I did, and she doesn't go as much as I do, but she still loves to go. Um, so yeah, that's really fun when the three of us get to go on do our special kind of fly fishing trips.
0: And how who, how did you find folks to go with in Colorado? Is there like a club or a meetup, or do you just know some other folks?
1: Yeah, so I there was a women's meetup at a fly shop in Denver um, that hasn't been happening for the last couple months, but that's where I met kind of the the three women that I fish with a lot and they have really become like my group of friends. Um, and we fish all the time together. We kind of have our, our little fishing crew that we go out with and it's so fun. And, um, it's just fun having something in common. And I, I also feel generally that most people that fly fish are pretty chill and laid back. And, uh, so I really, I really enjoy them and yeah, it's awesome. I've also made some really, really great friends.
0: Yeah, I could see that personality type because fishing is—it is a very meditative thing in a lot of ways, Uh, and it takes time and patience. It just takes like a certain kind of personality. Yeah, Um, I the kind of fishing, fishing that I've done very little of, but I really enjoyed. I dated this guy. <laughs> Apparently men are like my vehicle to fishing as an adult, but um, <laughs> not my current guy. He doesn't go near the water because he has hearing aids, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get him on the water. I mean, that's why I haven't been fishing, um, but I, I want to get back on the water really badly soon. But I was dating this guy and we went down to the Bahamas and um, and we, sh- we were over there over the holiday and on Christmas morning, you know, like his dad came out and he said, oh, the fish are biting so well today. Should we go? And I was like, yes, let's go fishing. And so we fished off the back of a boat. So we did more like, I don't know what you call it. Cause it's not really deep sea, but like we were out in the ocean with lines coming off of the boat. Right. And then, you you know, you pick when it when something hit, you pick it up and reel it in. I don't know what that they call that kind
1: of fishing. I guess it's kind of like a. Uh, was it. So was it just kind of trailing behind the boat? Yep. yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's common in, like, big lakes, right, or in the ocean um, for catching, like, I don't know, tuna that you're going to eat or something, right?
0: Yeah, so we Deep caught... Deep sea fishing? Yep. Yeah, I guess that's... What, I don't know what they call it, but, yeah, we caught tuna that day, and I caught a a 28-pound wahoo.
1: Oh, wow, nice. And did you get to eat it?
0: I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I bet know. that was really I mean, good. I have done both. I've done catch and release, and I have, I, I have eaten what I've fished. It was great. I mean, I caught not the biggest fish of the day, but a a nice sized one. And we had fresh uh, tuna uh, for dinner that, uh, for like a little bit of sushi before our our Christmas dinner that night. And it was quite lovely. It was a really wonderful experience, but that's really, that's really quite different than, than fly fishing.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. And I think that's great. I, I, you know, if people eat the fish, I think it's totally fine to keep them. Um,
0: yeah, we didn't keep all of them. We kept getting a lot of Wahoos, I remember, on that trip. I think we only got one little tuna. There was not, um, not much else biting. So we, we, we put some back too. Um, but I think they were going out more to fish for eating rather than just for the sport of it, right? Because when you're fly fishing, there's more of a connection, I think, with the fish than when it's off the boat, right? You only really have connection when the, bo- when the fish is on the line and then you're reeling the fish in. But yeah. It's different is it different connection with 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 them,
1: right? Yeah, I think so.
0: And so when you catch a fish, is it hard to reel them in? Like, you know, you like by my experience of spin fishing is sometimes it just took a long time to reel them in, they might fight. Is it similar or no?
1: Yeah, it depends on how big the fish is and you want really want to try to get them in as quickly as possible um just so you don't put too much stress on the fish. But, yeah, sometimes they can fight. (laughs) I was in Wyoming a couple weekends ago, and the fish just fight so much harder there. It's so funny. You think you have a huge fish on. Yeah, it's, like, interesting. Um, But, yeah, they'll, like, run downstream, and you have to learn how to manage that. Like, cooking a fish is one thing, but actually getting it into the net is, like, a whole other thing. I don't know how many fish or big fish I've lost, which is a part of it. Um, And sometimes it all really comes down to luck, and there's nothing you can do, but... You know, other times it's definitely skill, like you have to learn how to fight the fish and bring it in and not, you know, horse it in too fast or it breaks off or something like that. Yeah, and then
0: that idea, too, that you since you do so much catch and release, you really want to be careful with the fish.
1: Right. So Mm -hmm. um,
0: again, that article I read was saying, well, you don't want to be really harsh with it or keep it out of the water too long because you know, basically then you've released
1: it, but then maybe it dies a little bit down the river because of your mistreatment of it. Right. And you want to make sure you revive it and don't keep it out of the water too long. Like I'll see people, uh, you know, putting fish on the bank or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, that's so bad. Like keep it in the water and, um, Oh, you take a picture of, of it on the bank. Yeah. Or something like that. And that bothers me cause it's not good for them, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, and just making sure before you release it that it's not like turned upside down and that it's revived. Like, make sure while you're holding it that it's you know getting a lot of oxygen and in a slower part of the river and that how, sort of thing. Wait, so, how do you
0: revive it? What does that What does that look like?
1: Um, reviving it. So usually I'll just like kind of rub it in a way a little bit, like not too hard, just to you know get the lact. Because what happens is like when we work out too hard, like the lactic acid builds up. Um, and I've had, you know, one time I fought a fish really hard and then it, like, as I released it, it turned upside down. Um, and I was like, oh my God. And luckily I was able to net it and then revive it so that, you know, turn it back over kind of rub it a little bit, put it, hold it. So it was getting, you know, lots of oxygen underwater. So, um, and then he was fine.
0: Wow. That's so interesting about this whole idea of like you know, rubbing the fish and reviving it. It never even occurred to me that. Yeah. You would, you would be doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you really do want to make sure that you take care of the fish, so.
0: Yeah, especially in the catch and release. I mean, a lot of fly fishing is catch and release, is my understanding.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, I would say for fly fishing, um, for sure. And then just, yeah, laws of, of not being able to catch, right. or to, to keep the fish.
0: So, are there fly fishing competitions?
1: There are, yeah. They there was just a GoPro games here in Vale, actually, and it's really cool. This awesome, um, this awesome woman actually beat all the guys and won the overall competition, which is super cool.
0: How did she win it? What was the what were the what was like the you know the requirements or the standards?
1: Yeah. So, at, for the first round, is you have to be able to cast really well. So they'll have these buckets, and you'll have to. Um, you know, you'll have to cast into the bucket and get past the first round. And then if you do that, uh, you can move into the second round where you actually go on the ro- on the water. And it's all about, like, how many fish you catch. Really cool. And they did, they kind of separate them to, like, guys versus girl, or guys and then girls in their own category. But overall, when they combined the two, uh, she, Camille is her name, um, took first place, which is super cool. And then I'm actually going with her and a a bunch of other women. And then one of my, one of my girlfriends that I fish with here, uh, to Belize in November to do some saltwater fly fishing on a all girls saltwater trip. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Oh, that's super fun. I mean, do you think you'll ever, um, go into competitions? Is that something you ever want to do?
1: Um, yeah, like it would be fun. You know, the GoPro games are pretty chill and, you know, not very competitive. So I, you know, maybe next year I'll, compete and, you know, in the GoPro games or something like that. Um, and they'll have like different other competitions around and, you know, there's definitely, you can get really serious with it. Um, but I haven't gone down that route yet. Uh, got it. And most of the competitions are similar to what your, the the GoPro competition. Yeah. Like maybe biggest fish or most fish. And then we'll have We'll have friendly competitions amongst ourselves. Amongst ourselves, like this weekend, uh, with my group that I went out with, we did boys versus girls, like who could catch the most fish, but which was super fun. Or who, you do one, and
0: how, what uh, the, the guys
1: number? won, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> I
0: shouldn't have asked. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's fine. I'm <laughs> sure. I'm didn't. sure next time we will beat them. So I'm not.
0: Like, what do you think makes a good fly fishing person? fly fisher person like what are the
1: qualities do you think that it takes um i would definitely say patience and really a passion for it and a passion for the outdoors and um yeah attention to detail and you know really (laughs) being willing to put the time and the effort in you know if you're not catching fish like sometimes it's you know tying on all your bugs is a pain in the ass and are you going to have the patience to, you know, if something isn't working, to kind of re-rig everything and take that time or um, really be persistent with it, I think, is another thing that it comes down to.
0: Hmm. So that those all sound to me a lot like skills that you need when you're learning a new skill and particularly like software development. So I'd love to turn our conversation a little bit to how do you, do you think it all or how do you think... Fly fishing, learning how to fly fish and, and, and having this new passion sport for you. How do you think it's influenced your work as a software developer? Or do you think it has?
1: Yeah, During the week, like I, my, I am glued to my computer screen um, every day, you know, just kind of cooped up in an office, sitting down, glued to my computer. Um, and where, so for the weekend for me, it's so nice. You're going out on the river and you're gone all, all weekend fishing. You can't even look at your computer you know, so you have no choice. Um, So I definitely feel addicted, even if I'm just chilling at home, like after work, I'm still on my laptop doing something. So for me, it's been a really great thing because I actually go and I actually like turn off because I literally can't have my computer out. Um, So that's been a, you know, a really big benefit for me um, is really having a hobby that takes me out of the you know out of anywhere where there's a computer or that sort of thing
0: well yeah a lot of folks I think have side projects or outside interests but a lot of times they're still code related right that you don't get away
1: yeah so for me really getting away I was helped with like burnout and you know I'm really able to do a lot during the week as far as that goes because I do have this hobby where I get you know two days where I'm completely taken out of it so that's something that I also really appreciate
0: Well, do you ever feel pressure, like if you're on the river and, you know, you feel pressure to get back to it? Or what if something goes wrong that you have to fix? Like, do you ever, does that ever create any sort of anxiety or is it more you're able to separate completely, you know, during that time?
1: Yeah. I mean, if I have work that I need to do, like I try to get it done before for sure. So that way I'm not stressed out and thinking about it while I'm on the river.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be hard for me. I'll be honest. I mean, I think I might, I'm on my computer 10 12 14 hours a day
1: right yeah Uh,
0: you know i mean i'm not i'm not coding i mean i do a little bit of that but you know i'm working i i mean i work on the internet that's you know i spend my time there i think it'd be hard for you to pull that much time away honestly to do it every weekend i think it would take some discipline to not only just to get your work done but to to feel like it's okay to be away from a screen for a while
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'll just go, I definitely go every weekend, but I'll just go for a day maybe, um, Mm. you know, and have one day to kind of do errands and catch up on everything like that. Um, So that definitely helps. But what
0: about before, what was your life like before you started regularly fly fishing? Were were you still getting away? Like you said, you know, you tried a lot of different things, you know, outdoors like archery and snowboarding. Was that already a habit of yours, getting away from the computer?
1: No, not really. Like, you know, I'm trying to think, like, what I was doing. Just because I wasn't that into it, I would go every once in a while, you know. Um, Yeah, I would be in town. I, I was doing, like, more agility stuff with my dog, but... Yeah, it was mostly like in the city in Denver on my computer, that sort of thing. So, really, fly fishing is what has done that for me for sure.
0: And it wasn't a hard transition to move from being ready, being used to being on a screen all the time to then taking, I mean, 12, 15 hours away. It wasn't a hard transition?
1: No, I just loved it so much, and it was so refreshing to, you know, take a break and actually do that for myself. So.
0: Oh, that's great. That's that's incredible. I think it would be hard for me. I, I mean, I'm honest about that. I, I maybe it'd be hard for a lot of us to 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 transition that quickly away from being away from the screen. Even though I think it's incredibly helpful, and I I, I ab- absolutely advocate for it. Yeah, I think it just surprises me how easy
1: that was for you to shift into that world yeah no I think I just loved it so much and it was something I needed and um you know starting to feel burnt out and that sort of thing so for me it was it was a great thing you mentioned
0: burnout which I think that makes a ton of sense what about sort of creativity or, or your problems do you find that it also I don't know if you ever go out on the river and you have like a problem in your mind or something you haven't quite solved yet you know, do you think that, that it helps in that way, too, or, or no?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it was the other day I was struggling with something, and then I just walked away for a little bit and took a break and, you know, it came to me, and I really think that that's a important thing, really stepping away, and that's, you know, something people say a lot in programming, so definitely doing this and getting outside helps me with that as well.
0: Right, because you're getting like a whole day of that. I mean, I know I take my dog for a walk in in our neighborhood. We now live in a really cute neighborhood with big houses, and I just walk her it, it, like for about 20 minutes. No, actually, more like a half hour, 45 minutes every night, and I I really feel rege- regenerated by that, just getting away. And being with the dog and just being in the outdoors. I know that sounds silly, but, you know, I live in New York City now, so I don't really have places to (laughs) go like mountains anymore. Right. (laughs) Like when I lived in Colorado. Right. So are there any other ways you see that fly fishing has impacted your life in a positive way that we haven't already talked about?
1: Um, yeah, just like friends and really, I, I just feel like I'm more myself and I just enjoy my time so much and last weekend, you know, I was in, standing in the river and I was just like, wow, there's literally no other place that I want to be. And mm-hmm. I had never, I don't know, said that to myself, maybe. Um, so yeah, I just, I'm so glad that I've gotten into it and gotten introduced to it. It really has um, changed my life. And I feel like just complements everything I'm doing in tech and coding and um, that sort of thing. And just having a hobby outside of Programming has just that I love so much has been super beneficial
0: Do you ever plan to give talks about it or weave it in because I know
1: you give a lot of talks
0: Have you yeah or do you plan on
1: that um I haven't yet but it would be cool to see if I could really Make a talk out of you know fly fishing and coding so
0: (laughs) I know I don't know what that would look like But I feel like there could be some interesting uh there could be some interesting correlations there
1: Yeah totally no I think so too
0: well, so what would you? What advice would you give someone who wanted to get into fly fishing?
1: Um, I would say definitely. You know, you want to know what you're doing. Um, you, because you can really harm the fish, or just not catch anything, or get super frustrated. So, and you have to learn how to tie all these knots. So, there's it's kind of a big learning curve. So, I would definitely suggest. Finding a fly shop where you can have beginner classes or something like that or YouTube, you know, YouTube or online is a great resource. Um, And then also if you have anyone that you know that fly fishes, like, hey, take me out. Um, And another good thing is if you're in an area where there are like outfitters where you can go on a guide trip. I think that would be a good way to kind of get into it and see if you like it. And before you kind of start buying all the gear, but you can rent like waiters and that sort of thing. I was
0: just going to ask can you rent some of the gear so that you don't have to buy anything right away?
1: Yeah, yep. Definitely. Did
0: Did you buy a lot of gear or rent Uh,
1: gear? No, I didn't buy gear until I was for sure that I really liked it. And then, yeah, then I started buying all the gear.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you rented in the beginning though. So your costs were renting the gear and the cost of the course.
1: Yep, the cost of the course and that sort of thing, and you can even rent rods and reels at most outfitters too, or most yeah most shops. So definitely look into that.
0: Are they very expensive to rent? Um,
1: I think like for boots and waders, it's probably like thirty bucks. I don't know how much a rod for and a whole reel day. would be. Okay. Yeah.
0: And how, and how about the classes?
1: Uh, the class that I took, which included those three classes, and it actually included a rod and reel, which was cool, like a really big, you know, or a basic rod and reel. I think it was like two hundred and something dollars, which included all three classes and the rod and the reel. So that was a killer deal. Um, oh
0: God! So you didn't have to you didn't have to buy anything. It was all inclusive. When
1: uh, you started. Well, I also had to. Um, you have to buy, like, leader and tippet and flies and hemostats and nippers. Like, it's definitely not an ah. inexpensive sport. It. So even to go out, you know, once, you do need all that stuff, I would say, unless you're with a guide. So that's why maybe, you know, a guide trip would be the best just to see. But those, you know, those are pricey. So, yeah, I would definitely say that it's uh, an expensive sport to get into, for sure. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's something that uh, you'd want to wade in. <laughs> I just used the pun. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> no pun intended. intended. Yeah, I did not intend that pun. But you you would want to sort of get started in it lightly to see if you like it, because I don't know about you, but I've, I've had definitely past hobbies where I was like, oh, I'm totally going to do this. Like, I thought I was going to be a snowboarder. And I really enjoyed snowboarding, but I found it hard because of the way my feet I have like leg stuff, so I found it challenging. I can mostly only go the hill, down the hill mostly backwards, which is kind of weird. I um, know. <laughs> I mean, I can see, but I'm like go forward. I'm like, mom, my feet don't kind of work that way. So I bought all the stuff, and then I didn't end up using it, which is sort of a bummer. So I've now learned, like, before you invest a lot in an expensive hobby, try it a
1: few times. Yeah. Totally. And I totally agree with that. So,
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us about fly fishing. That was so interesting. Thank you. Yeah,
1: of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. And definitely check out my Instagram if you want more pictures or if anyone has any questions, feel free to, you know, reach out to me.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely we'll include, uh, we'll include all of your links in the show notes. Thanks again.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Susan.